Uh, again, good to have you with us this morning. If you turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Galatians 6, verses 1 through 5. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in that way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to anyone else. For each one should carry his own load. I've entitled this, Lifting Up a Brother. We're actually going to talk about something I think the church doesn't really deal with much anymore. And that is that we have an obligation to help our brothers and sisters in Christ who have fallen into sin. Sin's a reality in our lives. We can't get around that. John, writing in his little epistle of 1 John, verse 1, 8, says, If we claim we are without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. James Chapter 3, starting with verse 2, or the beginning of verse 2, I should say, we all stumble in many ways. Because sin is such a horrendous issue with all of us, it is very important for those of us who are Christians to put on the full armor of Christ, which is so wonderfully explained over in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 through 17. We all have to recognize and be very aware that temptations that come to us because of this world are always there. We're not immune from them. We also need to remember, as we looked at very clearly last time I had the privilege of speaking, is that our sinful natures are also fighting against us. And we can all be easily led into sin. So here in our text in front of us, Paul is talking to us about the fact that you and I, who are believers and followers of Jesus Christ, have an obligation to lift up a brother or a sister who has fallen due to sin. I must admit, we often overlook this instruction. We don't talk about it much. Quite honestly, it's scary, isn't it? It really is. It makes us uncomfortable. It's so much easier to ignore a brother or sister who has fallen than to encourage them and help them get back on their feet. I think mainly we do that because we're all so aware that we're capable of sin. That even the best Christians can commit the gross sins that we look at or the biggies as we would call them in our world today. We have to recognize that none of us are ever beyond 
the point that we will not fall into temptation and sin. That's why I believe the author of Proverbs in chapter 4, verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, because our hearts are, are, are so easily misled. As we've looked at earlier in the book of Galatians, Paul was dealing with some legalists, some self-righteous people. And I have to admit this, that certain self-righteous people would laugh at the idea that they could fall into some kind of sin. But let me ask you a question and be very honest with yourself. Have you ever said something like this in your life? You wouldn't catch me in a million years ever doing that. But sometime later, it could be a short time later or it could be many years later, you stopped and realized, I did exactly what I said I would never do. We're all capable. We're all capable of any sin. A number of years back when one of my mission trips to Honduras, one breakfast that we were at a table, and there's a young man, about 16 years of age, was sitting across from me. And, and I don't even know what the subject was that we were talking about that day, but this young man said, I would never do that. And there's a certain time when I become very um, unspiritual and I blurt out things that maybe I shouldn't. And I said to him, and I called him by name, you can't say that. I said, because when you say that, you're saying that in my own strength and in my own power, I will never do that, and you will need to watch out, because when you get to that point is when you're susceptible. We can never say, I will never do that, or I will never go there, or I will never say that in my life, because we don't know what temptation is going to come, and when we're weak, we can fall. We have to be very careful uh, in that. And we have to be very careful about judging and blaming some brother or sister who has fallen into sin. Now you know as well as I do that sin is very destructive. Sin hurts people. It hurts the person who commits such a sin. It shows a sign of weakness. And, and it's so easy to lose your joy and peace in your life when that happens and it inhibits our growth as a believer and it damages our testimony. And of course it hurts God. Every sin basically is against God. It offends Him. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we sin as Ephesians 4.30 tells us. We literally insult the Holy Spirit when we sin as Hebrews 10.29 says. When we sin, we are basically saying to Jesus Christ, I really don't care you died for that sin on the cross. Sin hurts other people. For the non-Christian, they laugh at the Christian who has fallen. It helps harden their heart. It lessens the chance that someone will be able to witness them in an effective way. And as a Christian, when I see a brother or sister fall, it breaks my heart. 
I heard just this week, and it seems like there's one a week, someone who is fairly well known in Christian circles who has been caught in this sin. And uh, gentlemen, I do not know his name, and I didn't, but understand he was well known. Was found out he has had had numerous affairs in his life, and again, hurt himself, the Lord, and and I grieve for him, even though I don't know who he is. It hurts themselves, it hurts the, their family, it hurts the church. Sin just doesn't affect the person involved. It, 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 it reaches well beyond the individual. It can touch many, many lives. And, and here, Paul is telling us that as a church body, as spiritual, mature Christians, we are to help a brother or sister who has fallen. The first thing Paul talks, says here is, is brothers. And now if he was going to be in our world today and be politically correct, he would say brothers and sisters. The church is a family. We need the family. The church is not just a club or, or a civic organization. And, and there are many of those types of organizations that are very good. The Red Cross, and I could name some others, are very good at what they do and are very effective in what they do. But the church is so much more than a club or an organization. The church has a goal. The church has a mission that's much different than a club that's out there in the world. We are brothers and sisters. We are a family. Bill Gaither wrote that song, We Are Part of the Family of God. That's a beautiful little chorus that we sing here every now and again. We are a spiritual body. And as a body, we want to be healthy. When, when we are physically ill, we're miserable. Do, do you like to make other people miserable around you when you're sick like I do? Uh, I just, I'm not happy if, if I'm miserable and everybody... <laughs> I saw that. Uh, <laughs> But we want to be healthy, and as a body of believers, we want to be healthy, and we want our brothers and sisters in this family to be whole. And so our goal ought to be to reach out to each other, especially when one is stumbling and hurting and have fallen into sin, and that we restore them and we build them up and encourage them. We want our brothers and sisters here at Cornerstone to be healthy Christians. And so when a, a brother or sister falls into sin, our desire should be, I want to help them the best way I know how. Now within the church, there are many ministries. There are many goals of the church. And of course, I think maybe number one is worship. And that's basically what we're doing here today. We gather together. We shut out the world for a few minutes. We've been lifting our voices in praise and some beautiful songs this morning, and uh, that's so wonderful. Uh, but we come together to worship, and we come together to, to lift the name of our Lord and our Savior as, as a body believer and glorify our God. And, and, and a part of the mission of the church is to evangelize. The, 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 as I said, that song that Steve just sang, It's Still the Cross, is so beautiful because that's the, the focus and the central point of Christianity, what Christ did on the cross, because all of us uh, are lost, spiritually lost, bound to hell, and there's only one solution, and that's Jesus. And we as a church come together to, to again, promote Jesus and to 
evangelize and, and tell the gospel message that any man, woman, or child who turns to Jesus in faith can be saved. Part of the church's mission is, is to develop us and to grow, to study the Word of God and to become more like Jesus today than we were yesterday. And part of developing us as believers is, is, is restoring a fallen brother to encourage them who have fallen. So we need to look at the fact that we are to help up a believer, a brother or sister who has fallen into sin. We're to assist in putting them back on their feet. The King New International here says if someone is caught in a sin, and I believe King James says if someone is overtaken, now, the, the idea here is that it, they stumbled into it. It caught them by surprise. It wasn't out on, on purpose. And so he gives us instructions when someone has done that. You who are spiritual are to take them under your wing and help them. And, and chapter 5 was talking about living by the Spirit. Chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And so he's, he brings this in right after what he said in chapter 5 on how we ought to act and respond to a brother or sister who needs help. Now the legalists of his day, they knew the law. They knew the consequences of sin. But their problem was they had no mercy and no grace. The only thing they could think about is judgment and condemnation of someone who has fallen into sin. And quite honestly, there's still legalists amongst us. How often have we heard the, the phrase that the church shoots its wounded? The legalist is not interested in helping a fallen brother or sister. That's not interested in carrying their burden. The Pharisees of Jesus' day, like the legalists of our day, place even a heavier burden on someone who has fallen. Jesus said over in Matthew chapter 24, excuse me, 23 verse 4, they tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Those Pharisees weren't interested in helping people. They had no desire to do that. The legalist quite often makes life even harder for a person who has fallen. But we who are spiritual, who are full and filled with the Spirit of God, are to help the brother or sister who has fallen. And he says when we do that, we have fulfilled the law of Christ. And the law of Christ is just across the page here, by the way, chapter 5 verse 14 says the law, entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The spiritual person understands and sees that they can fall. Have the ability themselves to fall. But are willing to help a brother who is caught in a sin. I think the best illustration I can give is John chapter 8. The woman who was caught in adultery. They brought her to Jesus. 
The law said she's to be stoned. The legalist of that day said she's to be stoned. And they brought her to Jesus, and you know Jesus was there. He's writing in the sand. Nobody knows exactly what he wrote. I personally think he was writing the sins of the men that were around her. Maybe even put their name in the sin and the date they did it. Uh, who knows? I don't know. Nobody knows. It doesn't matter. But Jesus said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And one by one, they all walked away. The legalists, uh, the Pharisees, were so willing to condemn this woman, they left no room for mercy, no room for forgiveness. But what did Jesus do? Jesus didn't condemn her. He literally forgave her. And when it was all said and done, he said, Go, King James, go and sin no more. Leave your life of sin. He didn't say it was okay to live in sin. He said, leave it. Walk away from it. Jesus was not interested in destroying her. He was interested in helping her. And that should be the attitude of each and every one of us who is a follower of Christ. To help the brother or sister who has fallen. Our aim is to help them. Our aim is to get them back on their feet. Our aim is to get them healthy again. Not leave them when they're down. Not kick them when they're down. Paul here is contrasting between the way a legalist would deal with it, who is one who has fallen, and the way a spirit-filled Christian should deal with that individual. Notice he uses a word there to restore. That, and, and this word used there means to mend. It carries the same idea of setting a bone. Now, I've never had, I almost said the privilege of not have, ever having a broken bone. I've never experienced that. Some of you have experienced that. And my understanding is not always fun to have a bone set. Sometimes it hurts, but it must be done. We need to be people who are willing to forgive. Dr. J. Vernon McGee, who has been in heaven, I don't know how many years now, but <clears throat> I had the privilege of hearing him when I was a young man. He, he has one of the best illustrations uh, that works so well in talking about restoring a brother. He says, many years ago, a great preacher was saved out of a life of drinking. He became a great pastor. His ministry was going well, but one night the pressures and the demands got to him and the temptation to drink came back and he went out and got drunk. The next day he called his deacons in to resign. And they were amazed and asked why. And he told them what he had done. He says, I got drunk last night and a preacher should not get drunk. I want to resign. Those deacons would not accept his resignation. Instead, they gathered around him and prayed with him. It is said that the next Sunday, one of the members of that church said, I had never heard a better sermon in my life than that day. What those deacons did, they were setting a bone of an individual who had broken it. They were coming alongside a pastor who had fallen. Now, notice also, he tells us there, to do it gently. Gentleness is one of the fruit of the Spirit. 
We are to be kind in helping a brother. We're not to be critical or harsh. When a fellow Christian falls into temptation, it is our responsibility and our duty to help them overcome by loving them and encouraging them in their life. The legalist wants to criticize and condemn. The legalist wants to say, I knew they wouldn't last very long. I knew they didn't have it in them. The legalist expects people to fail and fall. But love says, I will do the best I can to help you get back on your feet. He also gives a warning when he says, watch yourself so that you're not tempted. The Christian who is living in grace realizes that none of us are immune from falling. And when we restore gently, we need to help correct their life and give them strength to overcome with how they fell, to love them and never justify their sin. First Peter says, chapter 4, verse 8, says, Love covers over a multitude of sins. We can forgive sins. We, we should forgive the sins of our brothers and sisters and help them be restored to good health. He then goes on and says we're to carry their burdens. We are to help them up because whatever got to them, that temptation caused them to fall, and we are to help them up. We are to hold them up. We are to encourage them. Help them turn from that sin so that they are walking in a godly manner again. And quite honestly, if we don't help those who have fallen, Satan is going to jump on them big time. He will continually speak to them and try to tempt them and to deceive them. The legalist doesn't care to help a fallen Christian. I think that's what verse 3 is talking about here, by the way. If you feel superior to somebody, if you think you're better than somebody, there's no desire to encourage that person to get back on their feet, to become strong again. And the warning again here about capable of falling when watching ourselves, we have to make sure that we do not fall into that sin. Can, can I? I'm going to. I do not know what all of you have gone through in your life. But I'll guarantee you with as many people we have in this congregation, whatever sin that's plaguing you, somebody else in this church has walked in your shoes. I know in this building today there are people who have recovered from alcoholism, from drug addiction, from foul mouths, and the list can go on. And I don't know all of you, and, I, and I'm just talking about people who've talked with me. And I'll guarantee you, if you're struggling with something or some sin has jumped all over you, there's a brother or sister in Christ that can come and pray with you around this altar and come beside you and to walk with you because they've been where you're at. And those of us who have gone through some garbage in our life 
and all of us have gone through some kind, I can be there to encourage and lift up that brother or sister. Because the one who has been delivered from whatever sin you want to put in there understands that another brother or sister needs help to overcome it. Churches today, we don't have this here at our church, but we have known as recovery groups. They're, they're a Christian version of AA and Alcanom. Um, uh, our, our secretary's husband is uh, one of the associate pastors at Millbrook. It's one of the areas that he works in, helping those get back on their feet. We are to help individuals with, and give them proper spiritual guidance There's no room for us to condemn the one who has fallen. Verse 4 tells us, basically, we are to test our actions. We have to keep asking ourselves, am I right with the Lord? Am I in the center of God's will? And because when we do that, there's no room for boasting that I'm better or someone else, or no room for being arrogant. We are to just serve the Lord and serve our brothers and sisters as they need help in overcoming sin. And then he he ends this in in verse 5 by saying we're to carry our own load. This is kind of hard for me to understand what he's saying here in light of what he said. But the way I look at it, he says, those of us have to own up to our own sin and we have to acknowledge it. We can't just excuse it. We are to take this load and then deal with it. The word there is used for a backpack, or, or someone says a woman who is carrying a child. You, you, ladies, you only did that yourself, didn't you? You, didn't have, uh, you couldn't pass it off to mom until they were born. Everyone should shoulder their own pack. We are responsible and accountable to, for our own selves. The one who has been caught in a sin, admit it. Own up to it. Take responsibility for it. There's no room to blame or or make excuses. Be accountable for where we've been, where we've sinned. Put our faith in Christ. Call out to Him. Call out for our brothers and sisters to help us get through a difficult time in our lives. We who are spiritual are to restore those who have fallen into sin. We are to help them carry their burden as they carry part of it themselves. You know, if you're caught, if you're tangled up in some sin today, today's the day you need to say, Lord, I need help. You need to come kneel at this altar. You don't have to advertise what it is. But I'll guarantee your brother or sister is going to come down here, kneel beside you, and pray with you about that issue and hear and carry that burden as they encourage you in your life. They'll help you get up to be healthy as a Christian. One last thing one of the goals of the church is to evangelize. Preach the good news of Jesus Christ. To tell the world that everyone is lost, condemned to hell, and there's nothing we can do about it. But Jesus came, lived a perfect life. He died on the cross so that we could have forgiveness of sins and to become 
in the perfect relationship with God when we put our faith in what Christ did. If you've never done that, you need to do that today. Whether you've been here for, since the founding of this church or this is the first day you've been through the doors of this church, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your greatest need is to have him to be your Savior. Lord, you've given us instructions to help a brother or sister who has fallen. Encourage all of us in this room today that have a relationship with Christ to show grace and mercy to those who need it. To reach out and give a hand. Those who have been caught in a sin, to be honest about it and to say, I need help. And Lord, again, if there is someone here today that has never responded to the gospel, that today is the day you encourage them to say yes and find new life in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. If the Lord has spoken to you, say yes to him today. Thank you for your kind attention this morning. And to our guests, we're delighted you chose to be with us. Trust the Lord spoke to your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again uh, for your abundant love that you have shown to us. Encourage us in our walk with you. We thank you so very much. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.